Italy is lying about their coronavirus death numbers. Mr. Reagan. First of all, I want to say that coronavirus is real and it should be taken seriously. Hopefully, that will keep YouTube from deleting this video like the authoritarian lunatics they are. YouTube just took down my last coronavirus video where I basically just said that people shouldn't panic and that the virus isn't as bad as other pandemics historically like the bubonic plague. So basically, YouTube is indiscriminately taking down videos about coronavirus, whatever the content. So be sure to share this video with as many people as possible before this too gets taken down. Okay, so recently a friend of ours told us that they have a relative in Italy who died of cancer, but the official cause of death was listed as coronavirus. The family was confused. Their grandmother didn't have coronavirus. She had cancer. She'd been sick for a long time. They knew she was nearing the end. It seemed almost disrespectful to list her death inaccurately. When they asked the doctor why the death was listed as coronavirus, they were told because they needed to get the numbers up. Now, I was a bit skeptical of this story at first, as it was a third or fourth hand account. This was somebody here in LA talking about what their relatives in Italy had experienced about the death of their grandmother. So I started looking into it, and it's true. Italian medical workers are inflating their coronavirus death numbers. But why? And how do I know this for sure? Well, we'll get into that in a moment. First, I have to sell you something. You know the biggest fear that people have in situations like the one now with the stock market? It's not actually losing money. You'd be surprised. No, the biggest fear is losing their status with their family and their friends. Those people who've always looked up to you. The idea of working at the checkout at your local supermarket when all your old friends are playing golf or on vacation like you used to be, that is soul destroying. Gold has risen. You ignored it and you lost out. This has been on the cards for a while now, and this bull market in gold actually started in 2015. But if you didn't take action before, it's not too late. Putting some precious metals into an IRA or 401k rollover gives you a safety net against anything bad that's coming. Or you might just have some cash sitting in the bank making less than one half of 1%, and you've been meaning to move it into something different. Get gold or silver into your hands. Noble Gold has helped thousands of clients just like you. Call them now at 877-646-5347. That's 877-646-5347, or hit the link below and see how they can help you. Okay, so I started looking into this yesterday, and I only found one report, one that confirmed this rumor about the Italian fatality numbers. It was this article here. And you might say, well, that's just one report. But here's the thing. The guy who's confirming the information here that the Italians are inflating their coronavirus fatality numbers, his name is Professor Walter Ricciardi. And he's an advisor to the Italian Minister of Health. This is not some random Italian doctor. This guy knows what's going on over there. So this is what Professor Walter Ricciardi said in the interview. The way in which we code deaths in our country is very generous in the sense that all people who die in hospitals with the coronavirus are deemed to be dying of the coronavirus. So what that means is if you die in a hospital and you're tested for coronavirus and you have coronavirus, it doesn't matter what you actually died of. They list you as having died of coronavirus. This is not how you're supposed to list cause of death. This is not how anybody else does it. And this seems to be primarily why Italian death numbers are so unbelievably high. Everybody here thinks, well, do the Italians have something wrong with them? Is this what we have coming here to, to our country? No. This is all because of an error in how they calculate their 
coronavirus fatalities. He goes on. On reevaluation by the National Institute of Health, only 12% of death certificates have shown a direct causality from coronavirus. 12%. That is insane. That means that the Italians have been overstating their fatalities by an insane amount. This is quite possibly the most irresponsible thing I can imagine a government doing during a global panic like this one. Currently, the number of confirmed cases in Italy is at 80,539. Deaths from coronavirus are counted as 8,165. That's about 10% mortality rate. That is crazy high. And when you compare that to the rest of the world, it's baffling. How could the Italians have such a high mortality rate when the rest of the world is like 1%. Now, in the news, we're constantly hearing that Italy is a sign of things to come, that they're just a couple of weeks ahead of us in the progression of the virus. A friend of mine sent me this video from The Atlantic warning about this very thing. Ti parlo dal futuro. Sta per succedere un casino pazzesco. E sono altrettanto certa del fatto che tu stia prendendo sotto gamba la cosa. Sono casi sono tanti anche tra i giovani. Ci sono dei ragazzi della nostra età che sono stati intubati in terapia intensiva. Quello che sta succedendo è molto più grave di quello che ti immaginavi. The problem is that if this Italian professor, the advisor to the Italian Ministry of Health, if he is to be believed, this is all a lie. Let me read the second part of what he said here again. On reevaluation by the National Institute of Health, only 12% of death certificates have shown a direct causality from coronavirus. Okay, so if the real number is 12% of what's being reported, then that means that we're looking at not 8,165 deaths, but rather 980 deaths. And that number drops the coronavirus mortality in Italy to 1.2%, exactly in line with what we're seeing throughout the rest of the world. Again, please share this video because I do think YouTube will take it down because, you know, we don't want true facts spreading through the country like, you know, coronavirus. Now, it should be stated that this problem that Italy has in recording the mortality rate, this does not mean that coronavirus is not con a contributing factor in some of these falsely recorded coronavirus deaths. But it's impossible to know exactly the degree that the virus is contributing when a patient was suffering from one or two or three other fatal medical issues. Who knows how many people have died and tested positive for coronavirus, but you know, the coronavirus contributed zero to their death, but because they tested positive for COVID-19, the cause of death is listed as coronavirus. Again, unbelievably irresponsible. I should also say that there has certainly been, in certain regions of Italy, Lombardy in particular, an unusual number of cases. We see videos on the news of massively overrun hospitals, and we see the pictures of the coffins. I mean, this is unusual, and certainly due to the coronavirus outbreak in Lombardy. Everyone is horrified by this, and we're all deeply concerned. Now, no one seems to have a great explanation why Lombardy was so hard hit. The reasons I've read about seem to be a confluence of factors from an unusually high concentration of elderly people to poor air quality and a culture of cigarette smoking. Now, there is a possibility that part of the problem with these overcrowded hospitals was over-treating people with mild cases. So if you've got 100 people sick and all of them are being treated as critical, but only, say, five are actually critical and need to be hospitalized, honestly, I have no idea why Lombardy has been so hard hit. It doesn't really make sense to me. But it is not a model upon which the rest of the world can rely in order to plan our own response to the progress of the virus. Because Lombardy is clearly unique 
it is not a good indicator. And this problem is severely exacerbated by the fake numbers coming out of Italy. Now, Professor Walter Ricciardi seemed to characterize the inflated numbers as a quirk of the Italian healthcare system, an honest mistake. And fair enough, it's socialized medicine. It's bound to mess up a lot. And if that's the case, then it's not really a lie, is it? But then now that the mistaken fatality rate has been recognized, why isn't this being reported everywhere? Why aren't the Italian politicians and Italian media not screaming this from the rooftops? The situation in Italy is not that bad. The numbers are consistent with the rest of the world. Well, I'm not sure, but I suspect that this is what happened. The Italians reported these deaths differently than the rest of the world. They saw, hey, our mortality rate is 10 times that of everywhere else. What's going on? They looked into it and discovered the issue and realized their mistake, but there was already probably talk of international aid relief. Now, I don't know what all the politics are on this, but the obvious motivation that comes to mind is financial. If Italy thought it was going to get aid from the EU or the IMF or maybe some other international fund, and if Italy realized that a reevaluation of their numbers might possibly reduce that aid relief money or that they might risk losing it entirely, it's possible that Italian officials all said, you know what, let's just not say anything. And if that's the case, the Italians are lying. It's not an active lie. They're not intentionally inflating their numbers, but it's what I would call a passive lie. They know that everybody believes their mortality rate is higher than the rest of the world, and they know it's not true, but they're intentionally letting everybody believe it. And look, I know that I disagree with a lot of the people who watch this channel about the severity of coronavirus, and I don't want to get into a debate about that here. But what I will say is this. I have discussed this with my best friend from college who happens to be a neurobiologist. And as it happens, he has actually worked with coronavirus. In fact, right now, his lab is developing cellular tools to assist in the fight against this particular strain of the virus. So that is pretty cool. Now, what he said was this. The virus is concerning. It's not something to just dismiss. It's certainly something that we need to take seriously and need to find an effective treatment for. However, it's not really a virus that should be causing any kind of panic. Consider the approach the Netherlands is taking to the virus. They're trying to manage herd immunity. What that means is they're trying to infect as many healthy people as they possibly can so that these people will quickly become unable to affect anyone themselves. Sweden is also taking this approach. This allows the country to continue to work, no quarantine. It's an interesting strategy, and I think a good one. And the truth is that we have no idea what the true mortality rate is because we just don't know how many people are infected. We only know the mortality rate among confirmed cases. But confirmed cases could be 10% of the total cases or it could be 1% of the total cases. We just don't know. We could only guess. My friend from college, the professor, believes that the mortality rate is somewhere between 0.2% and 1%. It looks to me like the mortality rate and the severity of most cases is nothing to panic over. And many will say, but panicking is better than the alternative. If we're too cavalier, people will die. If we panic, we just quarantine for a while. No big deal. But that is totally wrong. There is a cost to an abundance of caution, to this global quarantine to panic. This cost is seen by most as merely an economic cost, and typical sentiment is, so what? How can you compare an economic cost to a potential loss of life? We can compare this because economic costs lead to innumerable and much more significant other kinds of costs. The initial cost will be well-being, but depending on how bad things get, this can also lead to loss of life. Now, it's difficult to get one's head around the magnitude of the cost of well-being because it's a sum of quantity and quality, because lots of people could see an enormous reduction in their quality of life. But a great example of this comes from my friend and fellow YouTuber, Sydney Watson. 
she posted what is, I think, one of the most important tweets of this pandemic hysteria. She said, My brother owns a business. He's killing himself right now trying to keep his staff employed, even to his own detriment. He's one of thousands of business owners who are currently trying to do the same. Don't tell me that the current economic impacts aren't a big deal. There's no way to explain the pressure of not only being responsible for his own financial stability, but the stability of a dozen staff. It's taking its toll on him. If he goes under, 12 people can't put food on the table. Downplaying this fact is absurd. This point is critical. So many people are getting laid off right now. So many businesses are going bankrupt that there will be a lasting scar on the economy, even if we pull out of this thing tomorrow and everything goes back to normal. But as this quarantine drags on, more businesses will fail and more people will get laid off. And we're not talking about a few weeks without pay like I know many of you are suffering through right now. We're talking about lasting unemployment for some of these Americans. It's very hard for people to deal with shifts in quality of life. A middle-class American who is reduced to poverty, that's a very hard shift to make. People don't typically cope with this very well. Even those who do find it embarrassing or shameful. There are intense feelings of having let the family down. No matter how much you try to comfort a man who feels like he let his family down, you can't stop him feeling that. Those who don't cope well can end up in depression or drinking or even committing suicide. And even if we're not considering suicide, the other consequences of this kind of intense stress can shorten a man's life considerably. And this leads to an ethical dilemma. Let's say we have 150 people who all live to 80 years old. 100 of those people are going to die at 70 from a virus if we don't pull a certain lever. But if we do pull the lever, the other 50 will die at age 60. Pull the lever, 100 people live 10 more years. Don't pull the lever, and 50 people will live 20 more years. It's a tough question, and it doesn't even account for the enormous loss of quality of life that pulling the lever will cause. The problem, of course, is that we don't know how long we're preserving the lives of the victims of the COVID-19 virus. And we don't know what the loss of quality of life or years of life is going to be from the extreme measures that we're taking to preserve those lives. But the point is, the current situation is not as simple as we're saving people's lives. And I can hear people screaming at their phones, but there are young people who are dying too. And that is true, but not really, not in any statistically significant way. There are just very few young people dying of this virus. There are some, certainly, and, and actually that's one of the things that my friend's working on treating in his lab, which, again, very cool. But there are about a gazillion things that young people are dying of that are far more serious, statistically speaking. Coronavirus is not really a concern for young people. What young people should be concerned about right now is losing their jobs, their income, their quality of life, and their mental and possibly physical health because of an extended quarantine. Now, look, of course, of course, it is in the best interest of the media to keep you panicked. It keeps their ratings up, and they're also foolishly hoping that it will stop Trump getting elected in November. And in fact, what's really messed up about this, this is very true, okay? The media wants Trump out. We all know this. It is in their best interest to keep people panicked, to keep people thinking that Trump is doing a bad job. And Trish Reagan said something like this on Fox Business, and she got fired for saying this, which I think is absurd, because this I think this is very obviously true. So shame on you, Fox Business. Shame on you for, for firing Trish Reagan. She's, she's a professional. She's great. And you go and fire her for saying this? I mean, th th this is not even disputable. This is very obviously true. But let's get back to my point. The longer the quarantine lasts, the worse it's going to be for America. At this point, I don't think the quarantine has done too much damage. But if this lasts too much longer, 
it may become more damaging to America than the actual virus ever would have been. When Trump says we need to get back to work, there's a reason for that. I personally don't want to see another American lose their job over this or fear that they'll be unable to pay rent. Again, YouTube is censoring these videos, no matter how accurate the information is. So be sure to share this video with as many people as possible before this gets taken down. And listen, you may disagree with my position on coronavirus. I'll be the first to admit, I am an eternal optimist. I tend to have a lot of hope. And right now, I hope that we can emerge from this very soon. Take a breath and get back to turning the wheels that make the societies of the world function so well. And I hope that we come out of this stronger than we went into it. I think we will. Good night. Together, with God's help, we can and will resolve the problems which now confront us. And after all, why shouldn't we believe that? We are Americans. God bless you and thank you.